Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Reading to Kids Podcast. You have to stop this. Secret series by... Pseudonymous Book number five. <sighs> ay, ay, ay. Chapter 17, Hobo Marks. We are on... Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. Page. I was just going to say we are on page and then you interrupted your mother. No, you actually said we are... Mm-hmm. Okay, whatever. Page 154. Mom, look at Clementine's out. Aw, our oh. snake's out looking around. Cool. I call her Clementine and Waffles. Well, her name, her original name was Clementine because she's yellow and she's yellow like a lemon. And then we renamed her Waffles because that was just a cute, more kid name. All right. Page 154. The revelation that the Midnight Sun had financed the mummy exhibit certainly added an interesting wrinkle to the courteous case of the walking mummy. Yes, Peyton. Now she's hungry. I know. I know. Well, maybe we'll feed her again. It meant that the Midnight Sun knew who Dr. Ammon was and that they wanted the mummy nearby. That much was clear. What was confounded was that Max Ernest, as he walked home that afternoon, was the question of whether or not they were now in possession of the mummy. He saw three possibilities. One, that the Midnight Sun had broken into the museum and taken the mummy. If so, why were they not in the video? Two, oh... Lord Pharaoh is invisible. So Lord Pharaoh stole it. Yeah. I thought you were saying Lord Pharaoh's spirit went back into the mummy and that was Lord Pharaoh because that was Lord Pharaoh from the past. Okay. So Lord Pharaoh from the past came back to the future and stole his own body because he's invisible. Oh my gosh. I, how did I miss that? You guys probably didn't miss that either. Two, he was hesitant to believe this. The Midnight Sun had somehow managed to resurrect the mummy, and the mummy had then left the museum according to their instructions and was now their zombie slave. Three, equally unlikely, their plan had backfired, and the mummy had come back to life, whether or not the Midnight Sun's help were on his own, and then had walked out of his out on his own accord. In this case, in this case, um... The mummy was now roaming the world as a rogue agent. Max Ernest didn't accept any of these possibilities, but no matter how much he thought about it, he couldn't think of anything else. Thinking, as you probably know from an experience, from experience can be hazardous to your health. I don't mean that I think that it leads you to do some hazardous things, like investigate secrets. Investigate secrets. Although, of course, that's true as well. I mean, thinking I can cause it can cause. On the best of days, Max Ernest was prone to walking into things. Walls, cars, telephone poles, fire hydrants, people carrying trays of food or bags of groceries. When he was deep in thought, as he was now, he was liable to walk off a cliff. Luckily, the drop of the curve on the street was only a few inches. Still, it was sufficient to cause him to trip and fall and lie sprawled on the asphalt, cog coagulating anxiously about the true possibilities of a strain or an abrasion or breaks and bruises that he might not just now or in the future be suffering from.
The view from the ground level is seldom pleasant, unless you happen to be lying in the meadow of a sandy beach, but it can be revelatory. Sometimes when we walk Sometimes when we are at our lowest points, we make our greatest discoveries. Not so Max Ernest, eyes blurred, cheeks scrapes, cheeks scraped. Max Ernest started, stared across the street to the empty lot on the other side. He waited for some pronoun realization. It didn't come. Thankfully, neither did any cars. He, however, did see something that caused his pulse to quicken, the movements in a bush. And what was that, an arm, a leg? Then nothing. Max Ernest's first reaction was to stay where he was and play dead. Then he realized that that was silly. If anyone, if there was someone in a reanimated mummy, for example, who's more likely to reanimate his schoolmate Amber, who wanted to attack him, he would be far more vulnerable laying in the street and standing up. And if nobody meant him any harm, there was still the prob- probability of him being run over. Reluctantly, he stood. Imagining that Cass is watching him and judging his actions, he resisted running home and instead walked across the street to investigate. Hello? The words came out as a screech. Hello? <laughs> like, like he's scared. Uh, nobody answered. There was no sound of any kind until a pigeon flew out from behind a bush. Max Ernest looked around, feeling rather foolish. His mother's house, or rather more accurately, his mother's half-house, had stood here on this lot during the time... He was separated from his father's house. Max Ernest remembered that time well. A hopeful time when it seemed like for once his parents might live a normal, divorced parents, how might live like normal divorced parents, that is, separately. Now his mother's half had rejoined his father's, and parents and his parents were once again cohabitating and once again not speaking to each other. All that remained in this place of his mother's half house were a half dozen or so slabs of cement and a variety of sad looking weeds. Usually, nothing decorated the surface of the cement except for dead leaves and the occasional splatter of bird droppings. Today, however, he saw something more intriguing. He looked around to make sure that he he was unobserved. Then he leaned down to inspect the cement more closely. Yes, there were faint but unmistakable two symbols of drawings on the chalk, drawings and chalk hieroglyphs. It could be a message left left for him by the mummy. This this time real and not dreamed. He looked again. No, it wasn't a message from the mummy. Still, the markings looked very similar to hieroglyphs, and in general sense, they were hieroglyphs. Not ancient Egypt hieroglyphs, but modern ones. They were hobo marks, which written in code used to hobos to communicate secretly with one another, an offering warning in advance. Most people, the ho- the marks... At Max Ernest's feet would mean nothing. Even to a hobo, they would appear contradictory, if not drawn, if not downright crazy. Literally translated, the two symbols meant so quickly flee, stay safe, stay safe place to spend the night. These members of the Turkish society, however, meant something quite different. Oh, to members of the Turkish society, they meant something quite different. Urgent, meet tonight at headquarters. Max Ernest watched, walked home with a furrowed brow. Why was Pietro calling in the troops? They'd been sending him regular reports to the mummy situation, but he wanted to hear about it in person. Or perhaps Pietro had some information for them. In either case, Max Ernest welcomed the chance to talk to the old magician. No doubt it would probably 
provide a new insight to the curious case of the walking mummy. Shortly before midnight, Max Ernest stood across the street from Cass's house, anxiously checking to his watch. Her, his watch. Pietro was the kind of man whose whose favorite form of relaxation consisted of fixing old clocks so they kept perfect time, and he didn't like it when people were late. Max Ernest felt a tap on his shoulder. Flinching, he turned around and all the way around until he saw Cass smiling mischievously at him. Just a little taste of your own medicine. I hope I didn't scare you too much. Only because you're late, he replied irritably. Three minutes and 42 seconds later than t- later than last time. You should more. You should practice climbing out your bedroom window more often. And you should stop looking at your watch. I've been standing right behind you for longer than that. Really? Nah, but I might have been. You'd have been... You should have been more careful. He opened his mouth, trying to think of a snappy comeback when Yo-Yoji walked up. Hey. Hold on. Okay. Hey, he said to his friends. Sorry about the li- about the other day in the library, said Yo-Yoji. I know that was kind of goofy. Miss Johnson made me go with Amber. And then, what are you sorry for? People, people like who... People like who they like, said Cass. I don't like her. When I saw her bag, I decided to be nice and find out if she knew anything. Whatever you say. Why do you have to be like that, dude? Like what, dude? Um, guys, said Max Ernest, trying and failing to get their attention. Just think you should be careful, said Cass. I mean, it's kind of dangerous hanging out with somebody who's who's in the midnight sun, don't you think? Uh, first of all, I wasn't hanging out with her, said Yo-Yo-Ji, clenching his fists in frustration. Max Ernest tried again. Guys, can you stop talking for a second? Cass and Yo-Yo-Ji looked at him in surprise. The idea of Max Ernest, of all people, telling anybody to stop talking was a bit funny, to say the least. We're late. I know, stop, stop dawdling, said Cass. A little smile across her lips, then started walking. Come on. It took 35 minutes for them to get there last time. 36, said Max Ernest. Correct, er, Max Ernest corrected. Yo-Yoji followed, scowling. Bogus, he muttered. Bo- so bogus. This is rebogulous. Although officially an old-fashioned traveling circus, Pietro's circus hadn't traveled much as an inch in the past year. A half dozen or so tents, equal number of trailers that made up the circus on a big dirt lot that by now had come to seem permanent, if not always pleasant, home to the circus folk. The lot surround was surrounded on all sides by an old wired fence. There were there was only one way in a dirt road that crossed a rushing rusting chain. Usually the chain wasn't in any real hindrance to passage. You simply walked over it or unhooked it from the post if you were driving a car or driving a cart or something heavy. Tonight, there was an additional obstacle blocking their way. Who's that? Asked, whispered Cass. A man or the shadow of a man stood stiffly in front of the chain. His arms and legs were spread, signaling as if they were not to cross. His face, they couldn't see. Hold on, I have to adjust my sweats again. I keep pulling up my leg and it's uncomfortable. Okay, no, not, uh, no, they're not giving me a wedgie, but they're like climbing up my ankles and they're like getting tight, you know, like at the bottom of your sweats are tight and they keep like climbing up my ankles and it's like tight on my calves. Um, uh, his face, they couldn't see. Well, obviously that's Dr. L, right? Yeah. He didn't move as they came closer. He could have been a scarecrow. It didn't necessarily look like the mummy again in the, in the video. They hadn't been able to see the mummy's face either. Chill, said Yo-Yoji. Even if there's some mummy walking around, 
out here who wants to kill us for taking his finger? How would you know that we were coming here? Yo-Yoji's right, said Max Ernest. That wouldn't make any sense. Well, let's keep going then, said Cass. She didn't say what she was thinking, that the ring hanging from her neck might be acting as some kind of a homing device, attracting the mummy. They had no choice but to walk right up to him. The man was wearing a rumpled old suit and a stained fishing hat with a broken pigeon feather stuck in it. His face, his face was smudged with dirt and grease. He may not have been a mummy, but he looked very much as though he'd been dug out of the ground. Not a reassuring sight by any means. Yo, what's up? said Yo-Yoji nonchalantly. He kept, he kept walking as if he had every intention of stepping over the chain and entering the circus. Not so fast, buster, said the man in a low rumble. In, in a low rumble, his arms shot straight out in front of Yo-Yoji. Password? Password? We come here all the time, said Max Ernest, trying not to sound nervous. We're friends of Pietro's. I don't care if you're friends. With the Queen of England, nobody gets in without a password. But nobody told us the password, said Cass. We didn't even get a hint. We don't, we didn't even get a hint. Okay, okay, if you shut your bazoos. And stop barbering for a second. I'll give you punks a hint, said the man, softening. What what a bronc is to a cowboy, a train is to a blank. That's easy, said Max Ernest. A cowboy rides a horse, a conductor rides a train. That's true, but that's not the password. The password is four letters long. Uh, well, how about pass then, said Cass. Cass asked, short for passenger riding on a train, but also... For sh- also for password. And why don't you let us pass now? This is crazy. Clever, said the man, not moving, but no go. Wait, I know what it is, said Yo-Yoji unexpectedly. Hobo! Max Ernest blurted out, saying the same word as Yo-Yoji. Yo-Yoji gave him a look. Sorry, Max Ernest, I just figured it out. And, and I had to say it, I know. You guys got it. Hobo it is said the devilish crossing guard, just like me. The hobo held out his arms and turned to a circle to show off his outfit. You like the suit? I dressed up in any case. I dressed up in case anybody saw me leaving those chalky marks today. Owen, cried Cass. The very same time, the, said the actor turning to the Turkish Society spy, grinning. He took off his fishing hat and bowed. At your service, service, milady. I'm going to kill you, said Cass, although she had great affection for Owen. It infuriated Cass that he always pretended to be somebody that he wasn't, even if he wasn't, even if it wasn't strictly necessary. You know who we are. It's not like we're in disguise, said Max Ernest. Why couldn't you just let us in? What fun would that be? And besides, I'm trying to delay... I'm trying to delay going to the meeting, said Owen, his grin fading. Why? What? What's the meeting about? asked Yo-Yoji. Can't, can't be worse than what we're dealing with now. Let's just say we have an unfriendly guest. Alarmed, the kids looked at one another. Could the mummy somehow have found his way into the circus after all? From somewhere in the darkness came the braying of circus animals and the sound of tents flapping in the wind. Yeah. Well, yeah, we already knew that. All right kiddos i gotta upload these episodes and we will see you later